And I do know where she's going, and I'm telling you, the workers are few. And yeah. so we're, we're thrilled you're going. Um, you have a prayer card. By the way, I'm going to need to get another one of those. We had it on a refrigerator, but my grandson got a hold of it. And I don't think he was praying, but it's not the same shape. But uh, thank you for this. So we have Do you a make a fan out of it? <laughs> <laughs> uh, we have the prayer card. You're going to be around afterwards and be at the table. And so if you want to get a prayer card, go ahead and get one of those. So this one will be mine. And uh, we'll try to keep it away from my grandson and... Uh, everybody else, we're going to be committing to pray. And let's pray right now for Winnie. Father, we do thank you that you're Lord of the harvest. And Lord, we, as we hear Winnie's story, we recognize that you were working in her life first to draw her to yourself and then to call her into ministry overseas but after she's been trained to be a physio and you're going to use that training is an entrance into a country and is an entrance into people's lives. And we pray that you would bless her as she's asked for fruitful conversations, for opportunities to share the hope and even the reason why she's there. Lord, we pray that she would be able to get this visa quickly and that just at the right time you would send her. Father, we also pray that you would help her in her language skills, that she would pick it up quickly that she would sense even the grace of your spirit as she learns a new language in order that she might communicate the love of God to a people who desperately need to know about it. Father, I do pray for Winnie and for her team. I pray that they would be resourceful, creative, innovative, but faithful to the gospel of Jesus Christ always. And so, Lord, we recognize it could be a matter of weeks that she leaves. And so, as a church family, we want to commit to pray for her, to support her, and we pray that you would give her rich years of ministry, and we just pray that we would be faithful to pray for those that we have sent out. Bless her as she goes. We pray this in Christ's name. Amen. Thank you, Winnie. We'll, um, we'll be able to talk to her after the service out in the atrium. Thanks. Thank you, Ben. Thank you, Winnie. Good evening, everybody. Great to be with you. Uh, I'm Chin. I'm one of the pastors here at Subi Church. And one of the things that we've been doing as a church family, as you know, is that we memorize scripture together, and every month we get a new passage to memorize. So on your seat, there should be a new card for this month, for the month of April. Uh, this is from Isaiah chapter 53, verse 11. So last month, we looked at Isaiah 53, verse 6, about the death of Jesus and how it's been prophesied. This is about his resurrection. Great passage. So let's um, say the passage together uh, from Isaiah 53. Are we ready? Great. I think we are. No sound. That's okay. Let's um, say this together. Isaiah chapter 53, verse 11. After he has suffered, he will see the light of life and be satisfied. By his knowledge, my righteous servant will justify many and he will bear their iniquities. Great verse, because it talks about the resurrection of Jesus Christ, but one that's been talked about many, many, many years before that. It is a prophecy about what's going to happen. So as always, keep memorizing Scripture together as a family, um, because it will definitely bless you and bless your household um, as well. Now, this is a time where we invite our primary school children to head up to your class upstairs. So if you're here... Um, if you haven't registered your child, 
feel free to head upstairs, have a look, uh, and then you can come back down. Uh, and if you want to register, you can do that as well. Now, on your seat, there should be a connect card. This is a way that we know what's been happening in your life, a way that we can connect with you, and also a way that you can uh, let us know how we can pray for you. So we receive a report every week, uh, and we do take the time to pray through each one of these as well. So um, a connect card physically on your seat, or you can scan the QR code in front of you, uh, and then you can fill out the online connect card. And one of the things that we always encourage all of you to do is also to um, give your offering because this is a way that we worship God, a way that we give back to God what He has so generously given to us in the gospel. Um, so if you have come prepared to give, uh, you can give physically, in the, just put it in the envelope in the cubby hole, and then there is a box you can put in uh, that's labeled offering box. Um, but if you prefer to, to give online as well, you can because uh, you can set up a regular payment there. This is a way that we uh, maintain our gospel ministry here at Subi Church to bless others. Uh, so please um, keep that in mind and keep uh, praying and thinking about how you can continue giving back to God after what He has done for us in Christ. Now, a few quick announcements about what's coming up. Very important. So Easter is coming up, Easter weekend. So let me uh, let you know what's happening on the Easter weekend. So on Good Friday, we will have three services. Three services, so at 8.30, 9.45, 11am. So these are one-hour services, 8.30, 9.45, 11am. We do need you to register for these services, so uh, you should have received a Subi Monthly News with the link to these services. So please uh, go online and re register for these services. We will have Subi Kids for the 2 to 6-year-olds at the 9.45 and 11am service. So there's no Subi Kids at the 8.30, Subi Kids for 2 to 6 at 9.45 and 11 a.m. services. On the Easter weekend, we will have our normal services uh, across Saturday and Sunday. So Saturday, 16th of April, 5 p.m., Sunday, 9 a.m. and 10.45 a.m. services. For these services, you don't have to register. We have Subi Kids, um, normal Subi Kids at 5 p.m. and 9 a.m. Uh, Sunday service. For the 10.45 service, we only have um, the primary school uh, Subi kids upstairs. So we will not have Subi kids downstairs for the 10.45 service. Now, on your seat, all this information, I know there's a lot of information, but all this information is on a card on your seat. So grab one and invite your family and friends along because what is more important than to tell them and let them know about the death and resurrection of Jesus, the hope uh, of our salvation. So if you need more invitation cards, let us know. We are happy to provide more. Uh, so you know, invite your colleagues, your friends, your housemates, your neighbours, anybody you can think of. Invite them to come to hear about the gospel message. Now with that as well, we are running a Christianity Explored um, course after um, Easter that will begin on the 26th of April on a Thursday, Tuesday evening. And we will have dinner before that starting at 7.15, finishing at <clears throat> starting at 7.45 uh, for the session, and this is a way that we can introduce and explore what Christianity is uh, over a really informal and casual setting so that people can find out more and can ask questions, uh, and if you know someone in your life that you want to tell them about the gospel message, about what Christ the Christian faith is, this is a great opportunity to invite them. So please do pray about it, consider and think about who you can invite, and then just let us know on your Connect card and we will follow up with you. 
Two more very quick announcements. Community Coffee Morning on Saturday the 9th of April that's coming up. We are having a sausage sizzle from 10 to 11 a.m. in front of the church. So we do have a market that, um, uh, that runs on Saturdays. So this is a sausage sizzle where we just invite people to come and have a chat about uh, life and about the gospel. So great opportunity um, to reach out to others. And then finally, we do have a Young Adults Lunch that's happening on the 10th of April. That's on a Sunday after the 1045 service. Uh, and they are doing this in Matilda Bay. So if you're a young adult, if you know someone who wants, whom you want to get connected to or you want people to get connected to them, this is a great time where you can do that with the young adults. So 10th of April after the 1045 service in uh, Matilda Bay. Thank you. Good evening, church. The Bible reading for this weekend is John 10, verses 7 to 15. Therefore, Jesus said again, Very truly I tell you, I am the gate for the sheep. All who have come before me are thieves and robbers, but the sheep have not listened to them. I am the gate. Whoever enters through me will be saved. They will come in and go out and find pasture, the thief comes only to steal and kill and destroy. I have come that they may have life and have it to the full. I am the good shepherd. The good shepherd lays down his life for the sheep. The hired hand is not the shepherd and does not own the sheep. So when he sees the wolf coming, he abandons the sheep and runs away. Then the wolf attacks the flock and scatters it. The man runs away because he is a hired hand and cares nothing for the sheep. I am the good shepherd. I know, the sheep. Uh, I, I know my sheep, and my sheep know me, just as the Father knows me, and I know the Father, and I lay down my life for the sheep. Thank you, Kendrick. We don't want to ever take that for granted. We have a good shepherd, and he knows us, and he's given his life for us, and our hope is in him. Uh, one of the things, when we go out and we pray in these worship services each week, and then I have the privilege of praying for you, sending you out, asking God's blessing, but also not knowing what's ahead that week, and, and I have uh, very sad news for our church family. We have, again, a, a 20-year-old young lady who was part of our Subi youth, Subi young adults. She died this past Thursday morning. And so her parents are Larry and Rochelle, and, uh, and they are in deep grief, as you can imagine. And any time a 20-year-old dies, it is a tragic death. And so one of the things that we're called to do is to pray. Her name was Katrina. We want to be in prayer for the parents. We want to be in prayer for the, the services that will take place this coming week. So on Friday at 5 o'clock, we want to invite you to come. We come to grieve, we come to pray, and we come to look to God and find hope in Him. And that's all we can do is seek God's grace. And so once again... We recognize in this world we face challenges, 
even death itself. But we looked at a passage last week, and Jesus said this, I am the resurrection and the life. The one who believes in me, even though they die, yet shall they live. And whoever lives and believes in me shall never die. Do you believe this? And I trust right now that Katrina is in the presence of the Lord. And I heard from the parents this morning. I've been with them on Thursday and also on Friday. And, and the parents were just saying they were trusting in the promises of God. And they do not have a family in Australia. They have family in the Philippines and in the U.S. And so they've pointed out to me again, their family is this church. And we will come and we will surround them in prayer and serve them. And so let me just ask you to go with me to the Lord in prayer. We're going to continue to pray for peace. Father, we want to worship you as a good shepherd. The one who sent Jesus Christ, who is our shepherd, who laid down his life for the sheep who said not only I am the good shepherd, but he also said, I am the way, the truth, and the life, and I am the resurrection and the life. Lord Jesus, right now, we come before you in awe of you, in worship of you, and we acknowledge our need for you, for we are sinners and we need salvation, for we are mere mortals and we need life, forgiveness, and grace. Father, I want to pray right now for this dear family that I've spoken of, for this, these parents that have lost their very precious daughter, and the shock and the grief that they are even now going through. And as a church family, we lift them up in prayer before the throne of grace. And as they are trusting in the promises of God, so do we. And Lord Jesus, I know that this girl is very precious to you. And she knew the gospel. She was raised in a Christian home. And Lord, I remember even speaking with her. That she trusted in you. And so, Lord, we continue to trust in you right now. Father, we ask that you would just show grace to Larry, Rochelle, and even for the services on Friday, that you would meet with us. Your word tells us to rejoice with those who rejoice and to grieve with those who grieve. And, and we recognize the importance of your church family in times like these. Lord, we want to continue to pray for peace in our world, and we've prayed for a ceasefire last week and the week before, and it hasn't happened, and so we pray for it for this week. We pray for those who are refugees, especially for the Christians who are our brothers and sisters, and we thank you for those who are serving them. Lord, we pray for ourselves. We need you, we need you every hour, and we need you right now. Please speak to us in Christ's name. Amen.
We've been looking at Matthew 8 and 9, and the theme is Jesus above all, and this will be the last message in this series because we're going to go to the very end of chapter 9, but we've seen Jesus is above all, and he continues to be the one who's going to guide us and direct us. Let me just begin with a story about a gentleman who's still in ministry today, but he has been one of the great preachers of the end of the 20th century and into the 21st century, and this is Chuck Swindoll. This is his picture behind me. Now, he has a worldwide radio program called Insight for Living. He has dozens of best-selling books. This one probably is not a bestseller because it's a really thick book, and it's sermon illustrations for pastors. So I own this. He actually gave me a copy of this. So I own a copy of this. And I'm going to read just a story that he tells about himself as he goes to Dallas Seminary with he and his wife, Cynthia. And he says this, When my wife, Cynthia, and I were first led by God to change careers and enter seminary and to begin ministry as our vocational service, which was something I'd resisted for the longest time, we changed our whole life. In fact, we sold our house that we had bought in, in the outskirts of Houston, Texas, and moved to Dallas, we knew really no one. We set up housekeeping in a little tiny apartment. It was really a dump. By the way, uh, my brother was in one of these apartments when he first went to seminary. Not Graham, but my older brother, Kirk. It was really a dump. I mean, it was one of those places with hot and cold running rats. You know those places they finally just condemned. I heard a friend say not long ago, when you lived there, there wasn't a single roach in the place. They were all married and had a litter of roaches. I mean, there were roaches everywhere. I'm glad to say it's all been torn down, but we didn't know anybody. We didn't have any money. In fact, we had a little indebtedness we had to deal with. So you go into seminary with debt. But unbeknown to us, when we came, there was a man in our home church who took an interest in our lives. He was one of those great heroes of my past. You wouldn't know him if I called him by name. He'd be embarrassed if I named him publicly, so I won't. But year after year, he paid our tuition. Not only ours, but 12 or 14 other fellows who were there from the same church. It's interesting to think about this, so just let that enter your mind. Chuck Swindoll one of the great preachers of the 20th century and even into the 21st century, one of those great men of God who's had a worldwide ministry through his preaching and through his writing ministry, and many of us, including me, we have been blessed by that. Here is a guy who had compassion upon Swindoll, and by the way, in his illustration book, it's under the heading Compassion. He received compassion. He was blessed. He was served. Now, the man is unnamed, but he had a vision. He just wanted to help some students get through seminary. He made an investment in their lives. For four years, he makes an investment in their lives, and then God pays dividends and dividends and dividends on that investment, even if you just look at Swindoll. And I'm sure the other people that he supported we did a great work for the Lord. But Swindoll, an amazing work. Here's the thing I want you to think about. 
We're going to look at a passage from Jesus. He's going to say this. The harvest is plentiful, but the workers are few. Ask the Lord of the harvest to send out workers. Now, there's going to be a role for everybody in that request. This is the Jesus request. So this is Jesus above all, and he's going to proclaim that he is Lord of the harvest. And we have a role to play. Please don't sit back and think your role is to sit back and do nothing. In fact, Jesus says you have a role to play. All of us in this church, well, what can I do? Because some will be sent out. And we are honored to be able to send out Winnie into that harvest field. Some will be sent out. All too few, they will go. But what about our role? What about all of us? Look with me at Matthew chapter 9, beginning in verse 35, and we'll finish up Matthew 9 together. I'm going to ask you to stand as I read from God's Word. This is Jesus above all. The heading in my Bible, the workers are few. Jesus went through all the towns and villages, teaching in the synagogues, proclaiming the good news of the kingdom, and healing every disease and sickness. When he saw the crowds, he had compassion on them because they were harassed and helpless, like sheep without a shepherd. Then he said to his disciples, The harvest is plentiful, but the workers are few. Ask the Lord of the harvest, therefore, to send out workers into his harvest fields. This is the Jesus message for us tonight, today. You may be seated. Three points I want to get from this passage. The first is the Jesus model, and this is the Jesus model for ministry is teaching, proclaiming, and healing. And if you look at that first verse, it says Jesus went through all the towns and villages. So everywhere he goes, and as we said, he's up in the area of Galilee, around the Sea of Galilee, and there's a lot of towns villages, cities in that area. Many of them are small, but everywhere he goes, he has the exact same ministry. Teaching, proclaiming the good news of the kingdom, and healing those who are sick. Everywhere he goes, he does those exact three same things. And it says there, all the towns and villages... So there's a consistency in his ministry, if you think about it. He doesn't go to one town and say, I'm just going to teach here. And then to the next town, I'm going to proclaim the gospel of the kingdom here. And then to the next town, this I'll just do some healing of diseases and so forth. No, in each town, everywhere he goes, it's the exact same model for ministry. Teaching, proclaiming, healing. Teaching what we see in the gospel. So you say, well, what was Jesus teaching? Now, we've looked at Matthew 8 and 9 in this series, but remember, Matthew 5 through 7, we've looked at that earlier in a series called Authentic, but that's called the Sermon on the Mount. You want to know what Jesus teaching? He was teaching what he saw in the Sermon on the Mount. He's teaching. And remember how he ends that sermon. He says, the one who hears these words of mine and puts them into practice is like the wise man who builds his house on a rock. The foolish man is the one who builds his house on the sand. 
But the wise person not just listens, but puts these words into practice. So he teaches, but he also proclaims the gospel of the kingdom. The kingdom, what's that about? Well, just think about it. If you have a kingdom, you've got to have a king. He's proclaiming that God has sent a king, and he is king. And he proclaims and demonstrates his own kingship. How does he demonstrate that? Part of it is by healing every disease and sickness. Let me point out, and I want to be very clear on this. This is the role of the church of Jesus Christ. That's the model of ministry. Jesus doesn't do this one place. He does it every place. Everywhere he goes, he has the same model of ministry. What does the church of Jesus Christ do? We have the same model of ministry that Jesus does. So we teach. We proclaim the gospel, the good news of Jesus Christ. And we are involved in compassionate ministries, caring for the sick. Some of you know one of the things that uh, the, the church of Jesus Christ, Christians, even Christian missionaries are known for, is they establish hospitals. Even if you look around the community around us, there's Christian hospitals are identified because they're Christian hospitals, because that's part of the, the Jesus model, part of the Jesus ministry. Medical care is often associated with Christianity on the mission field. Winnie is going to go out on the mission field, and she's going to be associated with medical care. But that's what happens. That's what the Jesus ministry is. It's meeting physical needs. We have salvos. We have good sammies. If you recognize that, they have their beginnings in Christianity. One of the things that we're going to be doing as a church, and I talked with the Rod Cousins today, and we're going to be establishing an opportunity for us to give to the Ukrainian refugees. We're going to work with another local church. And what is that church doing? It's caring for those in need. Because what do we do? We care in compassion for those in need. That's just one of the things that we do. It's interesting. We're already hearing reports back from this church in Bucharest. They're receiving a number of refugees. The refugees are staying in the homes of these people in the church, and, they're, and the people, the refugees, are saying, why are you doing this for us? And you know what? We're getting this report back. They're saying, when they're asked that question, why are you doing this for us? The message is the gospel of the kingdom of God. The message is because of what Christ has done for us. The message is the hope of the gospel. And they're always connected. They're always connected. We teach, we proclaim, we minister, we serve. Jesus' model for ministry is there. Teaching, proclaiming, healing. Everywhere he goes, it's the same model. Wherever the church of Jesus Christ is, that's the model for ministry. Here's the second thing. Compassion is Jesus' response to our needs. I want you to look again at verse 36. When he saw the crowds, he had compassion on them because they were harassed and helpless like sheep without a shepherd. So everywhere he goes, there's the same model of ministry, right? Everywhere he looks, compassion, compassion. That's why he comes. He is compassionate towards us. He saw the crowds, and he had compassion on them. Now, why is he compassionate towards them? Because he looks at what he sees, and he sees people who are harassed and helpless like sheep without a shepherd. 
That's what he sees when he's in that Sea of Galilee area, and he's looking around at these towns and villages, and everywhere he goes, everywhere he looks, he sees people who are harassed and helpless like sheep without a shepherd. Now, I want you to think about it. Let's bring this into the 21st century. When Jesus looks at our world today, when he looks at our world today, what does he see? He looks at us and he says, these people got their act together, don't they? He ticks that off. They have no worries, no problems. They've solved all of their issues, right? No, when he looks at our world today in the 21st century, he still looks at us with compassion because he still sees us in the same way as sheep without a shepherd, people who are harassed. Jesus sees aimlessness. Sometimes foolishness, immaturity, and ignorance. But instead of being dismissive and condescending, and just think about it for a moment. Jesus, the Lord of Lords, perfect Son of God, could have looked at this world and in a condescending manner just condemned us, but he doesn't come into the world to condemn us, but to save us. But he has the right to condemn us. What about us? One of the things that we need to be careful of, those who are followers of Jesus Christ, those who are object of God's grace, those who have received salvation and sanctification, some measure of sanctification, sometimes it's easy for us to look at the world around us and to see the foolishness of the world. In Australian lingo, we may say that bogan behavior and we think that's well below us, and we look at them in a condescending manner, but instead of looking at them in that way, what the Bible says is we need to have this compassion. We need to see through the eyes of Jesus. The core issue is given in figurative language, like sheep without a shepherd. Now, he doesn't say we are sheep. He says we are like sheep without a shepherd. Now, sheep, one of the things we know, and this is uh, very well known, people in church, we hear this often, sheep are not known as intelligent animals. They are known as dumb animals, defenseless animals. And um, uh, David Skirving showed this video uh, at a communion talk uh, a few months ago, but I'm going to show it again. It's only about 12 seconds. But again, just reminds us that sheep are not, you know, the sharpest knife in the drawer when it comes to intelligence. So here's the video. It's about 12 seconds. It's a kid going to be pulling that uh, sheep out. The sheep's kind of stuck in there. But will that video run? It's not a picture. Oh, there it is. There we go. Oh, man, can we run that again? I missed that. I was watching the screen on the back, and it wasn't showing it. I mean, can, you, can you show that one more time? There's no sound of this, by the way. Okay, so there's the kid, pulls the, the sheep out, gets the sheep out, sheep is free, bounce around, about 20 meters back in there. Okay, there you go. Um, again, not brilliant. And, and here's what we need to think about. Jesus looks at us, our world, and he sees us like sheep without a shepherd. Now, there's a, a sheep farmer, and he put it this way. There, there's this way of putting it when you think about sheep. He says there's dumb, there's dumber, and there's sheep. 
that same sheep farmer said this. Sometimes sheep are, are, are put it this way. They say sheep are as dumb as bricks. And he says that's actually insulting to the brick. Sheep are sheep. Don't blame the sheep. Don't blame the sheep. What do they need? They need a shepherd. They need a good shepherd. How can sheep cope in this world? That's what Jesus is looking at. People who are harassed, helpless, how can they cope in this world? They need a good shepherd. Look again over at uh, John chapter 10, beginning verse 14. Jesus says, I am the good shepherd. I know my sheep, and my sheep know me. Just as the Father knows me, and I know the Father, I lay down my life for the sheep. Here's what we have. Here's what we know. We have a good shepherd, and he has laid down his life for us. He has had compassion upon us. If we are indeed objects of grace, in fact, God is bringing us along in that sanctification and that holiness process, we recognize we have nothing to be proud of. All we bring to the cross of Jesus Christ is our sin, and what we receive is grace and forgiveness of sins. And so when we go out into the world, it is not as proud Christians, because that is not an adjective that can ever describe a Christian. These humble servants of the Lord and people of compassion. How do we develop compassion? We think about the Jesus model. Everywhere he goes, the Jesus model of ministry, he teaches, he proclaims, he heals. Wherever he looks, he sees with compassionate eyes. Let's go to the third point. Jesus is Lord of the harvest. Look again at verses 37 and 38. Then he said to his disciples, the harvest is plentiful, but the workers are few. Ask the Lord of the harvest, therefore, to send out workers into his harvest fields. So everywhere he goes, he models the ministry. Everywhere he looks, there's compassion. Everywhere he sends, there's a plentiful harvest, but there's few workers everywhere. The flow of the passage, ministry, compassion, and then the need is for good leaders, and then he asks his disciples what they should do, tells them what to do. He wants them to address the need. The need of the first century world was workers. The need of the 21st century world is workers. Why? Because the harvest is plentiful. The metaphor is now changed from sheep to harvest, you'll notice that. So we've changed the metaphors. But in the context, we see that this harvest field is plentiful, but the workers are few. Now, let me point out these gospel workers, not just limited to pastors and missionaries and Christian leaders. Uh, let me look over at 1 Corinthians chapter 3, because I want you to get this concept of the Lord of the harvest. Because in, uh, in Corinth, in the first century church, they were having divisions, and they were following people, and some were following Apollos, and others were following Paul. And Paul's going to deal with that right, right then. 
And he deals with that in 1 Corinthians chapter 3, verse 4. He says, For when one says, I follow Paul, and another, I follow Apollos, are you not mere human beings? That's his code word for saying, are you not mere sheep? What, after all, is Apollos? And what is Paul? Only servants through whom you came to believe, as the Lord has assigned to each his task. I planted the seed, Apollos watered it, but God has been making it grow. So neither the one who plants nor the one who waters is anything but only God who makes things grow. The one who plants and the one who waters have one purpose, and they will each be rewarded according to their own labor. For we are co-workers in God's service, and you are God's fields, God's buildings. Let me just go to a slide and just point out um, these, uh, these points and highlight the fact that when we think about it, it is God who is Lord of the, of the harvest. It's the Lord of the harvest. So he says the Lord assigns the, the task to each. So anyone who serves, it's the Lord who assigns the task. It's God in charge, right? Also, God has been making it grow. Paul never says, I made it grow. He just said, I planted the seed. Apollos didn't make it grow. He just watered. He just did his part. Only God who makes things grow. He's the Lord of the harvest. We are co-workers. Paul and Apollos, they're not in competition. We are co-workers in God's service. It's not my service, Paul's service, or Apollos' service. It's God's service. And so what we recognize is this. Jesus is above all. He is Lord of the harvest. And what are we called to do? Here's our part. Pray. Pray. Ask God. You start with prayer. Now, prayer is not the only thing that we do, but it's always the first thing that we do. And it's never without prayer. And so we pray. Pray that the Lord of the harvest would send forth workers. Now, we're talking about Jesus above all, and I want you to know he's worthy of our prayer, and he's worthy of our service, and he's worthy of sending out those into ministry and missionaries. One of the things when I was um, praying, this was a number of years ago, and I'd been praying for revival in Australia, for spiritual renewal for years. And, And I was burdened, absolutely burdened by the fact that I just didn't see we were raising up a lot of Christian workers for Australia and missionaries to be sent out. And I just started praying about it, and the Lord put these thoughts in my heart and mind. And I wrote out a vision and then I wrote a proposal for our elders at that time. So this is when I'd been here. Uh, you know, I'm now in my 10th year here, but I'd been here. It was in my 7th year, about six and a half years I'd been here. And I just started writing this out. I'm going to read the, the vision, and I didn't bring it with me, but I'm going to read it off the screen up here. The needs in churches in Australia far outweigh the stream of trained servants of the word. And so again, my conviction was we need to pray that God would raise up servants of the word. 
We need to begin to change the DNA of churches to be equipping centers for training the next generation. We also need to come beside these future leaders and make sure that they get the theological education necessary to confidently lead the church. Subi Futures, which was what God put on my heart, Subi Futures is about addressing the need by encouraging young Australians to step up and to be the next generation of Christian leaders in Australia. So that I wrote in uh, 2019. And I was thankful that the, the elders heard the proposal. They embraced the proposal. The church has embraced the proposal. We were not putting a lot into Bible college. I just didn't see that we were doing a lot by sending out. It starts with prayer. Prayer is the first thing we do. It's not the only thing we would do, but Subi Futures is something we've been doing now. Let me just mention, because we have three that just uh, graduated just recently, just uh, a couple months ago, from uh, Trinity uh, Theological College. So this is uh, Mandy and Annabelle and Debbie, and then the year before it was Linda. And uh, what's interesting is, now, not all of them were put through or helped or assisted with Subi Futures, just a couple of them. But what was interesting is when we started praying about it, we started thinking, we need to figure out a way to encourage uh, people to go through and get theological training. And all of them are using their training to serve the Lord right now. So Annabelle, uh, in the middle, she's on our youth staff working with our young ladies. Debbie is our director of women's ministry. Linda who won the, uh, the one-year Academic Achievement Award. She is my assistant and our director of communications. It's interesting. Well, this church is being blessed. We are being blessed with these prayers. Now, some of you are going to look at that picture and say, where are the dudes in this thing? I mean, where are the guys? And here's the good news. The guys, they're always a bit slower. You know how that is. So the guys are coming along. But uh, Jesse Dixon is going to graduate, Lord willing, this, this at the end of this year with a Master's in Divinity. He's already been sent out. Some of you know we already sent him out to Catanning Baptist Church. He's the senior pastor there. Praise God. We're going to send people out. They're not all going to join our staff. And then uh, Jordan, our youth pastor, Lord willing, he's going to be finishing up this year with his Bachelor's in Theology. I have a nephew, Carson. He's going to finish up soon, uh, early next year, Lord willing, which is with his bachelor's in theology. He's serving at Providence Church right now. Jordan serves at this church. By the way, we're going to be feeding other churches, other ministries, because the harvest is plentiful, the workers are few. We are going to be an equipping church. That's who we are going to be. And one of the things we're blessed with is to see people who have this passion say, maybe God is calling me into service. You heard Winnie's testimony, and we want to pray for that, and your job is to pray for that. Let me talk a little bit about uh, the DNA of this church because one of the things that we did, and I'm going to look at the four pillars, and we recognize we're going to be word-based, gospel-focused, multinational, kingdom-minded. And again, as you look at this passage, I'm saying that is Jesus' model for ministry. We're going to still be in those things, and that's what our DNA is. That's how we've been built over the last 120 years, and that's what will continue in the future. But we have a vision for 2050, and I'm going to show you that vision, which is to bless. Bless God and others, which is the broader themes. Lovely influence. 
out of compassion, not out of pride, we lovingly influence with the gospel of Jesus Christ. We are going to equip. We'll be an equipping church, and we will equip people for ministry. And we are going to serve, and we are going to send. And that's what we do. It's the Jesus model. It's the Jesus compassion. It's the Jesus prayer. Ask the Lord of the harvest. So I'm going to ask you right now, would you be a part of the Jesus ministry? Would you be a part of the Jesus compassion? Would you be a part of the Jesus prayer? Ask the Lord of the harvest to raise up workers and start with us. Pray with me. Father, I do want to thank you for this church and I thank you for how you've blessed us for nearly 125 years now. And Lord, I thank you that now we are seeing more and more men and women being trained and equipped to do gospel work. We thank you that we can, as part of our vision, send out people into that harvest field. Tonight, Lord, we as a church Ask your grace and blessing upon Winnie as you send her out. And you've assigned her a task. And you have a ministry for her. And I pray that you would bring forth great fruit through her life and ministry. Father, for those who have recently graduated, for all of them who are already in ministry, for those who are in Bible college now wanting to be equipped and trained, for those who are part of Subi Futures, for those who are here or those listening to me, that you are calling to ministry, we just pray that you would be raising up men and women who will be your faithful servants. Lord Jesus, we want to be a part of the Jesus model, the Jesus compassion, the Jesus prayer. Christ's name.